0: Hello and welcome to Japan on Fire 20 on Sabu's Blessing Bell. And originally, me, Kenny B, that is, and Coffin John recorded about three hours of what was in intent Japan on Fire 19 on Monday and Blessing Bell, you know, two movies in one and a big long recording. But seeing as the material was good and I fancied being kind to you listeners for once, I decided to cut up the conversations into two more easily digested episodes and last week you heard japan of fire 19 a shortened version of that long conversation and this week in episode 20 We conclude it all. And I will be just as I did during that episode 19 pop-up every now and again in these kind of post-recordings to explain some context about the edits so that you are not confused. But first of all, some contact information. This is Japan on Fire on the Podcast on Fire network. Our website with this show, all the other shows and bonus episodes can be found at podcastonfire.com. Email us if you have any suggestions, uh, Uh, feedback and questions and what have you podcast on fire at googlemail.com join us over at facebook and follow us facebook.com forward slash pof network is our page that you can add a like to and if you want to follow the main flow of updates you can do that in the discussion group available via a link in the about section on said page or type in podcast on fire network in the facebook search bar and you'll find a group that way And follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I write about Hong Kong movies, Taiwanese movies and Godfrey Ho Ninja movies and various other genres at So Good Reviews. And I do little video reviews at SleazyKVideo.com. And my tweets are available at twitter.com forward slash So Good Reviews. Japan on Fire is available on iTunes. Rate and subscribe if you want it uh, delivered to you as soon as episodes are released. And if you have the time, please leave a small review. One or two sentences will do, though, would very much help us out on, on iTunes to get us some exposure. So thank you very much if you do so. And stream us also if you don't like downloading podcasts, so you can use Stitcher that way to stream podcasts uh, either through their website or their app available for the various iDevices, iPhone, iPad, and I believe there's an Android app as well. And on behalf of Coffin John, vCinemashow.com is the blog that he's one of the he's not the sole member running it, uh, so um, check that out. He's doing great work, and writers and other people behind the scenes on that blog are doing great works, uh, great work as well. So check it out, vcinemashow.com. So a rundown of. Um, The segments we have coming up for you because there are a couple of ones in this episode as well and I have provided starting times in the show post so if you want to jump ahead to to a review or any other segment you can. So what it all will contain in this conclusion is the remainder of me and Coffin John's talk on current Japanese movies, the current Japanese cinema industry and its trends, some being problematic, and how Sabu fits into all of this, etc. After that we will talk actor Susumu Terajima for a bit, the lead of Blessing Bell, and we'll cap it with a review and discussion of Blessing Bell. So I'll leave you alone for now and drop you into the original recording. Enjoy and thank you very much. But, but otherwise, in general, do, do you see Japanese cinema unfortunately being on this path that it's commercialism that rules and you, you get, and, you get, and you get precious few creative original voices? Because they make a lot of movies, as the article mm-hmm. alluded to, the, uh, the cinema audience is there twin 2012, but they can rely on the local market and that makes the money people quite happy. But the movie quality in general, I mean, what's your view on that?
1: I guess at the best, you could say that the films coming out of Japan now are just, like, okay. They're just very bland. The characters are bland. The stories are bland. You know, they don't challenge anything. You know, they don't push for anything. They, they're they just sort of there, you know. And, and again, there's that influence from TV. Because a lot of TV a lot of Japanese T V is very much the same thing. It's very just neutered love stories. They're just boring and they're you know they're there for commercial interest, you know. And it's unfortunate because I think that, you know, outside of Japan, I think a lot of people see like very interesting directors come out. Like people like Mike, uh people like uh, you know, we talked about Bita Keshi, you know, people like uh, you know, there's whole there's all this, you know, ultra gore directors you know those guys that uh that are coming out you know doing you know tokyo gore police that kind of stuff you know but those are really the minority and really when you think of it you know a lot of those directors are sort of i mean i would say maybe nike accepted maybe shion sono to a degree accepted a lot of those directors are kind of falling in patterns you know And that's not a good thing, you know, because, you know, I think I mentioned last episode that I'm very interested in the director's creative process as far as, you know, what decisions he makes to try to make his film, you know, viewable by a wider audience. You know, and sometimes, you know, it's the situation where... You know, you work on an no, uh, um, adaptation project, you know, a novelization project, you know, something that you're adapting a novel for. Excuse me. I'm not saying that correctly. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, because you already have with that novel a built-in audience, right? And you can reach a wider audience by working with an adaptation. And sometimes you're making decisions to reach an audience that's outside of the local audience so when you think of directors like for example ryuhei kitamura uh the director of uh midnight meat train um versus yeah versus a lot of his directorial decisions are made for a western audience in mind more so than a than a japanese audience because he wants his films to be seen you know by um, and for the most part, you yeah, know, I mean, he's had some limited success, of course. Um, I, I heard he's not very liked, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of he's got an opinion. He's sometimes not afraid to to express that opinion. So you know, when you have a director like Sabu, who can, I think, who can, you know, as I mentioned last episode, sort of two degree ride the wave of you know genre interest for that time period to a certain degree then you know what you have is sort of a director who it it seems like he's very independent at the same time though i think that he knows exactly what his audience wants but then at the same time because he knows what his audience wants he's able to subvert those expectations Mm -hmm. um you know i think that you know you know the films that we've talked about to about up to this point, I guess by the end of this episode, we see a lot of, you know, genre subversion and a lot of, um, defying of, of expectation. That's why a, a lot of his films fall under the, I think, the comedy category, because that's what comedy is really, right? I mean, it's, it's subversion of expectation. But back to, you know, the Japanese film industry in general. Yes, it, it is very bland. It is very neutered. And I think it's really good to see a director like Sabu who addresses that issue. But doesn't necessarily fight, you know, fight the powers that be, so to speak. But sort of knows how to work within that system. And yeah, uh,
0: yeah, you, yeah. You can't be this uh, screaming teenager about it, and uh, Robbie, you, you have to. Okay, if you know, you can see that as a challenge. Like, how can I have my voice heard without it being immediately squashed by, by, by the powers that be? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure he, um, he. Uh, wants to take on a challenge. And as I might see in the latter filmography, if these movies are indeed quite bigger and, uh, and him working with a bigger means and maybe bigger companies, maybe I can see that his voice is still there. Uh, but uh, I have no like even perception of how, how his movies were um, received at that time, which is a discovery process uh, for, for me actually. So
1: um, I think in fact, I something just came to mind is that, you know, a career trajectory that of his, uh, his career tra- trajectory is is in ways kind of similar to Sogo Ishii. I know Sogo Ishii, he's also a, kind of a director that sort of worked within the system, but he did so by sort of working outside the system first. But I think that because of the energy of his films, um, he was able to gain the notoriety that... Got him uh, the project That he's working on today And that's a little different from Sabu Because Sabu seems like he's worked within the system From the beginning to a certain degree But I kind of feel that they're very similar In that they have that sort of Punk attitude But they don't necessarily flaunt it They just know how to, to use that attitude Within the system to get what they need To get done To the degree that you know they're satisfied With the, the work that they're putting out
0: and it's uh, it's interesting also to um to hear that, that, uh, that that you perceive it that way, and also to hear Sabu talk of it himself, how it, it, these quotes may come off as a little bit of, uh, I hate everything, <laughs> but in 2007 he did talk of also maybe the reality in general of what he sees. Um, but regardless, he uh, was um, interviewed by cinemastrikesback.com in 2007, at the Brussels um, Film Festival, I believe he was a part of a part of the jury. I believe. Yeah, I think that was a, maybe it's their uh, fantastic film festival over there. Yes, I think so. And he was talking about you know the big companies' work and how kind of projects can get off the ground. So uh, uh, this is a fairly long quote, but regardless, uh, uh, quote: We have the TV stations and big distribution companies like Toho who bring all these manga that they want to turn into films because they think that's how they can get big hits. Often they also target films to teenage audiences or make kids movies. They bring me these things and say, we really like your style, so why don't you do this? And then I ask them, what is it you like about my style? And they are never really able to answer. So I really started to feel out of grace in Japan. And I felt like there was no longer any point in my uh, being there, in me being there. That's why I accepted this opportunity to go to Germany for six months. Again, this is in 2007. And at the moment, there is a project in Germany I have been offered, and I'm still waiting for a go ahead to see if it can happen or not. And I hope the answer comes soon, because otherwise, my time in Germany will be up, and I'll have to go back to Japan and make a film version of some stupid manga or something.
1: Which is kind of funny because that's sort of what ended up happening but <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean
0: it's in in the moment thing and it's uh, you know uh, you have every right to change your mind it's not like he's telling everybody to go you know f themselves so, but uh there, there was some clear frustration you know seven years back at least furthermore um to continue is uh, he elaborated a little bit on this on this manga adaptations and what have you. so quote i think an anime should be left To anime people. I started acting when I was 20 and became a director when I was 30. Now it's been some 10 years more. The reason why I changed from acting to directing was that I was extremely dissatisfied with the way directors and producers were handling certain projects. You would get a script that wasn't very interesting. There were ways of making it interesting if you'd only put in a little effort. But they refused to put in any effort so I was getting more and more frustrated on set. And I thought, if that's the case, I better write my own stuff and direct my own films. And now I'm again at this sort of turning point where I feel that in Japan I'm surrounded by these producers who just bring these manga and just rely on the talent of the manga artist and don't make any effort themselves to make interesting film fare. That's why I feel very pissed off at the film business in Japan, end quote. And um, If his mind has changed uh, over the years, uh, I'm sure to a degree. But, uh, you know, this, this seems like a very real, very real train of thought considering the article that we got just yesterday or two days ago.
1: You know, not necessarily that they need to be defended. But, you know, when you think of like producers, their job is to watch the bottom line. It's to make sure that a project, not a film. A project comes in, hopefully, uh, you know, within budget or if it's, you know, outside budget that doesn't go crazy at least, that it's on time and that it makes money. And whether that's, you know, through the marketing, whether it's through the existing license of the product, you know, again, thinking of manga or video games or whatever license that the film might be drawing from. You know, that's, that's what they are trained to do. You know, they're not trained to Read a script They're not trained to develop Characters, they're not trained To understand the process They're trained to make sure That process works within The confines of their You know, of what their commercial Interests are, you know, if it's Again, a sponsor or whatever And within Their budget and time allotment You know, so I mean, you know, again, it's that It's that It's that intersection of art and commerce, you know, sure, you know, there there are luckily a lot of people who understand both sides, you know, both on the artistic side and the commercial side. They have to figure out how to work with one another. And to a degree, of course, unfortunately, you know, in our society, you know, money is king, you know, and money talks still. And, you know, because of that, well, whoever has the money has the upper hand and, that is of course the commercial interest so you know as an artist you know if you if you're not going to go totally independent and totally you know against you know the system great examples of you know people who work independently in fact you know the japanese film scene has a has a very good indie scene that um can work without and also somewhat within as far as distribution goes um Uh, Greater uh, commercial film scene So, you know, I don't want to make it sound Like, you know, uh, that Japanese Film just sucks and, you know Let's let's close the door On that discussion, you know, because there's a lot Of interesting stuff going on Unfortunately, it's not stuff that You're going to be able to see very easily You know, even film festivals Won't Won't carry, you know, because a lot of those film Programmers who You know, program those festivals They're not Uh, A lot of them are not looking deeply into the film scenes that, that there's, that they could be looking into. You know, they're just looking into, you know, what's pretty easy to get, you know, oh, you know, Beat Takeshi has a new film out. Well, that's instantly on the bill, you know. You have to be a really ardent, eager, film fan, film viewer, film programmer to find these, you know, rare gems, you know, and that's why I think you've got distribution companies like uh, uh, Third Window uh, Pictures in the UK. You know, Adam Terrell, who's the owner there, he, um, he really can find some of these really rare, small indie gems and, you know, give them distribution abroad. Of course, he has his own you know, commercial interest to think about and his own, you know, his own limitations as far as, you know, what he'll put out. You know, he's not going to put out probably every little, you know, indie, you know, gem in the rough that's out there. He's got to think about, you know, keeping his distribution company afloat so he has to make a certain X amount of money per release, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But still, you know, there are those forces out there who are, you know, thank God, are trying to champion, you know, these indie and -and up-and-coming directors.
0: Indeed, yeah, yeah, it's always this, uh, it's rare, but it's wonderful when it happens, when uh, even... voices that the the voices amongst the money people that that when they engage in the division too i mean it does happen uh mm. but but and but it's not like it's a fifty fifty divide it seems uh, but uh you know uh, no, as, as you wisely pointed out it's uh we're, we're not trying to paint it as you know hellish and one hundred percent dark times for japanese cinema but this is an aspect that is uh, that is to be
1: noted again if you're really interested in seeing stuff that's outside the mainstream is really you have to really dig, you know, I mean, how apt, are, how apt are you at
0: digging personally? Are there, I mean, do, do you have like the pulse on the this stuff or do you follow like, for instance, third windows output and their acquisitions to, to, to kind of find out
1: <laughs> if you want to use your pulse metaphor, a, a, a weak pulse, on right on, it. just right because, on. I mean, I have a decent number of, you know, connections, you know, which is nice. And, you know, they will recommend stuff or they'll mention stuff. That's interesting. And a lot of times it's kind of the waiting game, you know, it's like you have to either wait to see if it gets if that particular item gets put in a festival or a special screening or, you know, sometimes you just have to wait until it it hits the uh, the torrent, um, the torrents before you can actually get it, mm-hmm. you know, but I wouldn't say I, I'm as much of an eager film Japanese film fans I used to be Just because you know I have my own life to take Care of you know my own interest to take care Of I guess if I use if I extend that Metaphor so you know I don't exactly have the time to dig as much as I used to but um you know still I find you know those, those little things that people recommend or those things that I just happen by chance to to see and you know you, you 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 have an you have an advantage too
0: of not being 100% reliant on the fact that it needs to be translated into English either because you yourself know Japanese and your and your wife and your wife is Japanese too so Uh, A lot of people that are into all of this, they're reliant on the fact that it needs to be fansubbed or needs to be officially translated from the festival circuit or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's a big help because, uh, you know, when I was in Japan, I was hanging out with film friends, you know, and this sounds like I'm bragging. This is, if anything, just a small, humble brag, you know. You know, this director... An indie director approached me and said, "Like, oh, you know, if you're interested, check out my film." And he's like, "He's," in, but his, you know, his caveat was, "You know, but you know, it's in Japanese." And I told him, "No problem, man. It's like, if I can't figure it out, then I'll just ask my wife." You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And, and he's like, "Oh, thank you," you know, like that. You know. Turned out it was a really great film. You know, I mean, maybe great is exaggerating it, but it was very solid. You know, I could definitely see a lot of uh, potential. You know. For this you know director But sort of kept in touch with them And you know he's done some projects since But it's just all been kind of small Stuff you know and you know I think he's now a location manager uh, For um, For a a video company now but You know it's like there's stuff Out there unfortunately you know you just You have to somehow meet it Halfway you know Mm -hmm. whether you, You know you go to the festivals and special Screenings or just keep your eyes on The torrent or whatever or just have to ease yourself into the right crowd sometimes, that kind of thing. You have to read the critics out there who are really, you know, people like Mark Schilling who are really, you know, champions of the industry and not necessarily the commercial in, uh, interests that uh, govern it
0: so this is my last post recording for you all here at the conclusion of our japanese cinema talk which took place prior to the review of sabu's monday in the original recording so now it's simply time to fast forward to us coming out of our music break or intended music break there won't be any music in between here And the rest of the show, including the original sign-off, will be uh, playing out for you now. It will be the final part of the long recording between me and Coffin John that will occupy the rest of the show, and I hope these post snippets helped clarify some things, and that Two shorter episodes were indeed a better, more easily digested uh, time and choice uh, for you all. So uh, enjoy the rest of the show and thank you very much. Welcome back, and this is our review of Blessing Bell from 2002 and plot from IMDb user Kazan.bandi. And in short, the story is about a man, Susumu Terajima, actor Susumu Terajima, who goes to work, finds that his factory is closed down. And therefore goes and wanders around for a day and a night. That's it. it it's very
1: fair. <laughs> Again, a very episodic film that can only be described very simply in one sentence. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, a little bit of background uh, in an interview again with cinemastrikesback.com conducted at the Brussels International Film Festival in 2007. Sabu was asked about Blessing Bell and uh, the interviewer got a basic breakdown of how it came about. So, quote, my films always had the same main character played by Shinichi Tsutsumi and I was always using the same pattern of people on the run. At that time, uh, I already often was asked, why do you make these films with people who are running all the time and always with the same actor? So I thought, okay, if I continue doing this, my filmmaking will become too limited. So that's why I decided to switch to a different main actor. Terajima had already been appearing in my other films in smaller parts, and for this film in particular, I liked the way his face looked. When he gets really angry, it's like he's a contemporary version of Ken Takakura in that sense. So I thought he would be extremely good for that part, end quote. I don't think he's very, I mean, he's angry in other movies. He's certainly not angry in this one. You know, he's uh, more like uh, a little bit slightly worried at times. Yeah, a little worried, a little bothered, a little contemplative. But I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, Susumu Terajima has been big in other movies, you know, really acting it up and really being menacing too. Uh, In Monday, he plays one of the Yakuza's uh, at gunpoint, uh, who thinks that as long as we laugh, he won't shoot us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is a pretty funny little uh, bit part that he has. But uh, this actor, I mean, although I watch very few Japanese movies, this actor in this face pops up often, even in my head, you know, I often playing Yakuza characters, so I thought it would be fair to look up this gentleman's name, for my own sake, for once, again, Susumu Terajima, uh, but that's kind of the role that he's known for in my head, but that's not the role for Blessing Bell, you know, it's very, very different, so I thought we'd Just give a basic background on him. I mean, there's not a whole lot in English anyway Uh, on this actor who is a veteran, and frequent character actor of around 80 plus movies, TV, commercial. You know, he's very, very busy. He made his acting debut in 1986 as Ahomansu which apparently is the title even, so to say, in English. Uh, and and he's very much associated with being a supporting character player, though. Uh, he's part of the Takeshi Kitano production company Office Kitano and has appeared in such movies such as Sonatine, Violent Cop, Hanabi Brother, and has worked in Ichi Killer for Takeshi Mike as well. And I think, and you might correct me on this, on this John, that because I've seen stills of someone being suspended by hooks in one scene, in Ichi the Killer, and I just can see Terajima's face. I think that's the guy who gets suspended, right? Or do you remember that scene at all? Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big scene in the film. Yeah, it is him, though. Mm-hmm. Right,
0: right, right. Uh, so, uh, and Sabu is in that movie as well As we established as an actor yeah. mm-hmm. uh, And he's also worked with uh, Sabu as we mentioned He's in I think Postman Blues uh, I don't think he was in Dungan Runner I mean there was not a whole lot of uh, Actors cause for that one But he's in Postman Blues and he's. Uh, do you remember he, if he was in uh, Unlucky Monkey and Drive He was in
1: Unlucky Monkey yeah Drive I cannot really remember Off the top of my head If, so,
0: if so not not for a long while or noticeable, so who knows.
1: Oh wait, no, he wa- he was in drive, what am I? There you go. The chances are
0: sure. That he's in there. I mean, if it's, it's if it's a Yakuza, Yakuza movie, it's uh, we'll probably cast him again. I mean, he's still he's still working. I mean, latest credit being voice acting in the Studio Ghibli movie from 2030 when Marnie was there, and he's also um, in to some degree in a movie called from 2013 called Human Trust. And that begs the question: Have you seen any? Lead roles aside from this one, uh, or or is it just that my exposure is so limited that I'm missing a lot of lead roles from uh, Terajima?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm trying to think of that right now. Which probably means
0: that he's not in a big movie as lead every year.
1: Yeah, he's almost always a side character of some sort. Um. Probably in TV, I would guess that he's been really, I mean, he, um, he's, you know, especially nowadays, he's getting, uh, roles as like, you know, father figure or uncle, that kind of thing. So I could see him being sort of a lead in that. Um. That's a good question. I'll have yeah. to really think about that and <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. Right,
0: right, right. Hey, you know, but any spontaneous notes of the actor, I mean, uh, basic Yeo, yeah, and yeah, I like or dislike for this, um, this, uh, recognizable character actor.
1: He's very much a, he's a very solid character actor. I mean, you know, his face appears a bit, uh, in so many films, as you mentioned. Um, uh, a funny note, and this is more for, uh, Japanese film fans, is that for the longest time, and even now sometimes, I used to confuse him a lot with uh, two other actors, Sho Ayakawa and Ren Osugi, who also appear in films of this type. In fact, Ren Osugi has been in a couple of uh, Sabu's films, too. Uh,
0: well, wasn't he the um, cancer cancer patient, the, the Yakuza cancer patient in Postman Blues? Right, 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 exactly.
1: They don't look alike at all, but... Because they're always in, you know, these kind of yakuza action sort of films, you know, they sometimes like they sometimes blur in my head and I'm kind of, and sometimes I'll say like, Oh, there's Rand Osugi and then someone will say, No, that's Susumu
0: Terra Your well, wife will tap you on the shoulder, nope, may <laughs> fucked up again, John. You're fucked up <laughs> yeah. again.
1: <laughs> yeah, and again, it's not like they all look alike or anything. I mean Sho I call on Rand Osugi look nominally alike just because they kind of both wear glasses every once in a while but um it's just because those three uh actors have been in films and sometimes together you know uh of the same basic genres you know that uh mix them up a lot but yeah again solid character actor in
0: demand seemingly you know even for voice acting for heaven's sake
1: yeah, mm-hmm. he's been in a lot of uh, Beat Takeshi films um, And one interesting note That um, my uh, wife uh, pulled out Of his uh, biography Is that he was a graduate Of the uh, Mifune Academy of the Arts Which was a school that uh, Toshiro Mifune Of course uh, famous for the uh, uh, his, uh, his roles in Kurosawa films um, Is a school that he had Apparently that Probably disintegrated Probably back in the uh, 80s or 90s, but uh, he studied uh, sword fighting, um, I guess for like samurai films mm-hmm. and whatnot uh, at the uh, Mifune Academy of the Arts. And another interesting thing is um, that he um, Terajima, that is, used to work at a theme park of sorts called Western. Uh, I forget what was exactly the name of it. But it's basically a Western, like, cowboy, cowboys and Indians, Western theme park. And he was a gun shooter. Oh, you know? wow. So, but now when you think of it, think of his face, though. And if you look at his face, you kind of think, you know, with a black hat and a, you know, a black duster, you know, wouldn't he look like really cool as, like, a, as a, you know, a Western villain of, so, of some sort? Wow, wow,
0: wow, wow,
1: wow. He's got that, you know, I mean, Like, um, Sabu mentioned that he kind of looks like Ken Takakura. Actually, when I look at Susumu Terajima, I'm reminded of uh, Clint Eastwood. You know? Sure, sure. He's got that long, kind of gaunt face, that kind of sneer, like, you know, you want to try something, you know, that kind of look to his face. So I think that'd be awesome. I'd love to see him in a, um, in a Western film. That'd be kind of interesting.
0: Did Mike cast him in his Western, Sojoki Western, whatever it was called? Oh, he well, wasn't in that.
1: He he kept... Jungle, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember, but let me check. You know, again, he could have had like a um, a side role in it because most of the principals were um, younger people, so probably not. But that would have been awesome if he would have been in there. I mean, he probably would have stolen the show. But um, and by the way, the name of the theme park. Um, not that it's really all that important because i think it's no longer in existence uh the name of the theme park was western muda which means basically western town and then one more um interesting note that i want to mention is that uh, you you mentioned that his um debut was in uh ahomatsu Aho that was actually directed uh the is the only directing effort from uh the famous uh, yusaku matsuda um for japanese people he's super famous uh actor um who was um in this uh, tv show called tante Monogato basically uh which translates to the detective story and he's he was always a, like this kind of tough guy rugged good looks type of actor um in fact is one of his i think his very last role was he was the um the villain in uh black rain the um michael douglas film and in fact he was like deathly ill uh when he filmed that i believe he had to uh, Maybe pancreatic cancer at the time. I don't remember, but he and he didn't get any kind of treatment for it, which was like really really bizarre in itself. Um, I, that must have been extremely painful every day. But uh, I mean, you can actually, if you watch the movie, you can see it in his face that he's not well. You know, so you know he's just kind of gutting it out, so to speak. So anyway, Akuwansu was a uh, his uh, only. His debut and only directing effort, and actually, it's a pretty decent film. I've seen it before. It's kind of a, uh, you know, I guess, a, of all things, it's a send-up of uh, action films. It's set in science fiction universe, kind of like a Terminator, RoboCop, sort of. Um, it's it's not an absolute parody, but it's 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 got its uh, moments of um, parody and such. And yeah, I mean, Terajima, that
0: face, he, he's so good at just being there and staring, even regardless if it's for serious, hardcore Yakuza mood, you know. But also, he works so well in Sabu's movies, as a lot of the humor from his movies is about characters just blankly staring at someone having said something uh, silly but also just being there and um, it, can, it can generate chuckles that way and he's uh so sabu trusts him with silence which is a segue to blessing bell we, we can reveal this much he has dialogue but not a lot and it all comes late in the movie so this is terajima getting the acting challenge of not saying anything for 98% of the movie. Let's, let's let's be fair because when he when he talks, it's a chatterbox. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, but but for my uh, short opinion, it's very different. It's very I mean I, I'm silly, but he, here we go. It's very walky, literally walky. And while it's not hugely profound, at least not yet, I think I'm gonna watch it a few more times. It's definitely intriguing and presents this welcome challenge for me as a viewer of Sabu's works because it has less humor and it has more mature themes it requires me anyway to sit down and focus quite intensely on it what sabu is communicating through this walk from one point to and walk to one point and walk back uh, because uh we can we can say that much it's uh, It's uh, he walks not backwards but he walks back. He he retraces steps that he's made during the movie. So, Uh, but what about you, John? uh, For if in short, first, you know, I like what it's like for Blessing Bell.
1: But you know, funny thing is, you're almost positing the film as being uh, like almost like an anti-Sabu film. I guess you could say like something that's very different from his earlier films. And I think to a degree,
0: maybe it feels that way now, just because I didn't expect it to be that uh, quite. Oh, okay. So, so may, may, maybe I need a, a viewing or two to kind of uh, really get a feel for it. But yeah, that's kind of the feeling now. That's fair.
1: Well, I mean, in in a way, you're kind of correct because I think that the humor in the film, then there's humor. It's a little more muted. You know, obviously, you know, part of the film is uh, the uh, Terujima's character has lost his job, so that's sort of already kind of puts a downer on the film to a degree. But there's enough quirky moments and uh, humor to it where I'd almost say that instead of calling this an anti-Sabu film, it's almost like a Sabu film in slow motion, you know? Where, you know, of course, there's no running, there's walking, but even the humor, the humor is not like as zany as, let's say, Monday was, you know? Even though, you know, in certain parts there was sort of like this like you said like with the uh, the uh, business card sequence where it's a little more confident in that it's the humor is a little more muted in this case the humor is very muted um when it's there even because um you know again it's dealing with a little more serious subject matter the film itself is that um it's more contemplative and i think this being a reference to the ending of the film, which, you know, we don't want to necessarily spoil, and I'm, I'm not sure if even saying it would spoil anyway. But, you know, even the ending kind of serves to underline that this is really a Sabu film because, because when, when we learn about his day, it's still very episodic like his other films. And even, again, even though it's not as like, it's not as zany and madcap, uh, madcap, excuse me, on the um, on the surface. Certainly, if you think about the sequence of things that happens throughout the course of his day, you know, it's it's still sort of, huh? You know, like, wow,
0: <laughs> okay. I think still that biggest laugh comes right about the end when at one point sort of the events are recapped verbally exactly that's what i that's what i'm referring to yeah it's that. But 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 you're right i love the ordinary real feel of it because it's it's already presenting because i didn't know anything of it i, I like this type of challenge like okay because terajima is for a good five minutes i think just walking walking and some more walking. I mean, this must have been a super easy shoot because there's tons of shots of Terajima walking
1: across the frame, walking across the frame, walking across the frame. <laughs> I think, though, if you, if you look at the scenes carefully, especially if you look in the, the background, uh, some of those sequences had to be timed in a very exact manner, you could tell. because yes, that is true, because there are events that happened while uh, he's uh, walking past them. But
0: there, there is still this... Um, uh, I, I have enough confidence in Sabu that this is going somewhere. So I was never, despite this sounding boring, just a character walking from uh, you know left frame to right frame. It isn't. I mean, there, there is something intriguing here about why we we get. I think not for exposition, but we get through flashes of uh, protesting workers that he he's presumably working at this industrial site, this factory. And uh, that he has lost his job and he's walking away from it. You know, his fellow workers, I think, are still protesting and uh, making a fuss about it. But this guy is either walking home or five, ten ten minutes in, we we realize that he's not walking home. And he is going to encounter, you know, tons of characters in his day and really tons of uh, death, which makes I don't know if it's. Uh, if it's this that makes the movie uh, more of a thought, thoughtful piece, but regardless what it is, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm try, I'm kind of struggling to firmly verbalize exactly, I like it, but what exactly all means. But regardless, while I was watching it, it, it's still, it's still very intriguing. It's a very muted piece of cinema that throughout is very intriguing. I don't think there's any particular dips here. It's not this slam, bang, whang experience, though, which is the challenge I like. It's me out of Sabu comfort territory, and maybe Sabu himself out of comfort territory, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is good, which is what you should do creatively, and maybe as a, let's say, a critic, too, um, to just take on something that is very um, new to you. And, and it's not like this is a me, uh, you know, trying to overcome my uh, sort of arts radar sensibility thing here it's it, but it's still very intriguing to watch it go and you don't know until the end of the movie at least i did that's what i really thought because he put sort of a full stop to the experience by the end of the movie and and that's how it should work i think really uh, you shouldn't be go sometimes go by half movie aha i know what it's about now and i know what i think now you know i i have a lot of like um i intriguing but i don't know exactly all the facets of it yet i've not made a full interpretation i think yet but that's why i want to rewatch it maybe even soon. so but i don't know Uh, intriguing
1: is that a word you can relate to connect to in case of this movie intriguing is good again i would say it's it's contemplative um it's you know very contemplative cinema i mean not only from just you know, again, just having scenes of him walking, but uh, just the fact that the characters that he interacts with are just kind of, they're all sort of a, a piece of him in a way, you know? I mean, uh, you know, not to go deeply into, you know, detail as far as reading the film goes, but, um, you know, in a way, you know, I think that uh, Sabu is using his film uh, kind of almost as a reference point to uh, his first film, which is Dongan Runner, because, uh, you know, in the last episode, you know, we mentioned that, uh, Runner is first we only know these people as characters in the film, but by the end of the film, we know them as people, mm. you know, as individuals, you know, and you know, in, in a way, blessing bell is a very similar thing you know it's this character who is trying to cope with you know the loss of his job and then he's realizing these things within himself you know he comes to this sort of um i guess you could call it a revelation of sorts of you know himself as an individual so you know when he's finally when that i guess awakening you know we're using such like you know dramatic sounding words but when this awakening occurs you know he can finally return to where he belongs you know you know if we look at all the films that we've seen so far you know you know motion and mobility is like a big important part of these films you know i think that if you look at these films you kind of think to yourself well first thing you might think to yourself is like really a lot of this mobility and motion has no real destination you Mm -hmm. know because and runner they're just running from each other there's no real destination to that, you know. Um, that happens in all, you know, of all of his other films uh, as well, to a degree, you know. I mean, it's not, not constant motion, of course, but there's always a sort of feeling of motion, but without destination. But yeah, like
0: uh, like events take character, mm-hmm. take characters places, you know, rather than them having a like have to get from one point to another, like on foot or on bike or in car.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like uh, Postman Blues. You know, again, they're just running. That's all they're doing, or they're getting away, or they're fleeing, whatever you want to say. You know, you know. But really, it's that, it's that motion that, or that action of fleeing or whatever that gets those characters in touch with themselves to be individuals. You know, Uh, I forget what the saying is exactly, but you know, there's that sort of saying about the marathon runner is the loneliest person in the world you know because one thing it's not a team sport but another thing is that the only thing you have when you're a runner because i used to be a long distance runner is yourself that's it you know in some ways that's the only thing you can think about is yourself you know you're pushing yourself you're getting yourself you know you have all these thoughts in your head you know all this stuff you know so in a way, this film is contemplative on the surface just because it's slower and it's more deliberate and there's more, you know, long shots. Um, you know, even the production of the film lends itself to being contemplative. But I think Sabu's, all of Sabu's films are contemplative to a degree. It's just that we don't immediately see that the characters are being contemplative when they are in motion, you know. It's that it's that motion that enacts the con- contemplation. I guess is what I want to say. I I, I totally get that, and that the, this feels
0: because uh, because it has slowed down. It's more apparent, I suppose, that it, it is it is more of a thought piece. That um, you know, there, there's not a whole a whole lot of noise surrounding. Uh, he, he is named at one point but like only at one point so and I didn't write down uh, Tarajima's uh, name but uh, you know to, to mention like that he encounters a lot of death in this movie you know, but, uh, and a lot of people that almost immediately open up their hearts to him um for whatever reason, you know, but he is a just character. He's um, at one point he uh, we never see this on screen, but he runs into a burning building to save a couple of kids, and he receives um, uh, like a, a diploma from the police for his courage, which is an example of the character trait. But also the muted humor that still works here because we we don't know his end game, if even if he has one, and this is. Just some sort of semi-amusing sidetrack, you know. He does the right thing; he saves a couple of kids. Cut to the police uh, giving him the diploma, but he's not—he's uh, obviously not very emotional about it. He's just part of his walk almost. He you know, <laughs> runs into the building, walks to get the diploma, walks out again. You know, so it's—it's it's funny in that sense that he, he seems so um, unaffected by this. But as, a, but as a as a matter of fact, as we know, by the end of the movie, maybe there's a lot of things that uh, is on
1: his mind. now. Well, if you contrast that with the scenes that sort of bookmark that scene is that, you know, the in the first scene, you know, he just happens to be, you know, like sitting out in the field thinking when there's a Yakuza guy who's out there and and it turns out that it, I guess it appears that the Yakuza guy has committed suicide. But then, you know, just at the moment where we discover this, that um, police officer happens to bicycle by and then sees the dead body and Tenojima's character, is just sitting there and you know puts two and two together that hey this was probably a murder
0: you know and and and, and it's not the type of character that will go like oh no no not me officer I was just sitting here right. I was just sitting I, here no 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 that, that's not his he'll just accept it you know and 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 the cutting therefore the editing using this kind of the droll humor is very uh, splendid when it works because it cuts to them just looking at each other looking at the corpse cut to him sitting in jail and not being very emotional about it either he's just He's just still at that point because he can't go anywhere. And that's a good example of, you you put it perfectly, muted humor compared to some of the other Sabu gags, if you will. Uh, But I appreciate that a lot. I think uh, he's got that down quite well.
1: But then the other side of the bookmark here is that he gets put in jail with this one character who he finds out his wife has been cheating on him. And then, you know, he reveals to Terajima. he says, you know, I did make a mistake. I should have killed her and not the guy uh, that she was uh, cheating uh, on him with, and so Terajima, when he's released from prison because uh, I guess it becomes obvious to the police there that you know he's not the guy who he's not the person who killed the Yakuza character, you know. He gets released from prison anyway, and he happens to go by the bar that the um, that the guy's wife works at, and then he does the job for him. So it's kind of like. It's kind of interesting because it's sort of dark in a moment and really actually tell you the truth. We don't really know if he actually kills the woman or who or if he kills the person that she's with or whatever. But it's a dark moment anyway. But it's a moment which I think, you know, again, it leads to your leads to his his awakening, you know, so to speak. I mean, you know, all these different episodes within this film, you know all these little life episodes lead to him understanding who he is and, you know, what he should do uh, rather than just, you know, be depressed or be in despair, you know? Definitely. And it's, it's, um,
0: it's all, you know, intriguing throughout the movie, you know, at, even at one point, again, the theme of encountering a lot of death or he, uh, at one point it's suggested and, uh, it might've happened. It might've not happened that, um, he sees, um, the ghost of a man that right. gives him because he's he's in hospital at that point. He was hit by a car because yeah, at, at certain points he's not paying attention to and not looking where he's going. Um, so he he gets uh, the address from the old man who asks
1: him to look up his wife. And by by the way, um, before you go on, uh, I, you probably don't know since you're not as big of a Japanese film fan, but uh, do you know who that that ghost character was played by uh, Seijun Suzuki? Who's the famous director of uh, *Branded to Kill* and it's Right, right, right. I heard, I heard of the movie definitely. So, there you go a little? Uh, normally, an actor or just? Nah, he's like one of those guys who dabbles in it. You know, I mean, it's it's you know, it's like Sabu, right? I mean, he's a is he an actor or director? You know, I mean, Seijun Suzuki is normally a director. He's more famous for that, but he said acting rules here and there.
0: And, uh, yeah, I, I won't uh, talk too much of the scenario that leads to him uh, looking up the wife of of the old man. But there, there is, uh, you know, as much death as we encounter, even within, uh, you know, death, there, there is this muted humor that Sabu does very well if you think of the discovery of the lottery ticket, That right. it leads to him taking a lottery ticket and getting money for it and uh, walking around with a lot of money on him. Uh, it's this... Um, he draws even less attention to himself than in other movies, which is a great challenge that he also accomplishes. I think yeah, through static shots, uh, this is not a, as we said, loud movie. There's a lot of static imagery that is logical for this type of um, movie. And it, it, it's not this flat line kind of movie that says beep every now and again, but at the same time, i don't know it, it it's um it also feels like that in a good way that it seems to have nothing going on no nothing going on quiet in a good way at least like yeah, there, there's no pulse <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden it says pop! i don't know it, it's it's difficult to put in words if you're if uh, you're unfamiliar with the movie but uh, it's the dips uh, into humor are that, that doesn't um, Break the intended serious mood here. Either right? it's uh, very deliberately and very carefully placed, I would say. Like um, mm-hmm. I can only think of two, three points where it's very, you know, clearly uh, designed as comedy.
1: You know what what this film is, and I don't know. Maybe Sabu, you know, being kind of a humorist himself, maybe he did this intentionally. But this is the kind of film that film critics look at of a director's uh and you know look at their filmography and say this is the film in which he matured as a director you know because it's again it's more contemplative there's more you know like you said there's it's there's more staticity to it you know it's that kind of film that critics will kind of latch on to and just say like this is the point where he really changed and you know that's That's with me saying earlier, of course, that, you know, if you were to break up uh, Sabu's films into, let's say, um, into time periods, you know, you could say that this is more of this contemplative time period. Mm -hmm. So, I don't, you know, again, I don't know, maybe, you know, that quote that you you, uh, mentioned of Sabu's earlier, where he said, like, oh, I didn't want to be... You know, I didn't want to be uh, stuck in a rut, stuck in a rut, so to speak, in you know this particular kind of film. I almost kind of feel like maybe just as a joke, you know, he made this to be more like this is like maybe he was conscious of, of producing this film to make it seem like he's more a more mature film director, and you know, like it's almost like you have a um, like a list of sorts of things you want to have in your film to make you seem more mature you know it's like okay character who doesn't talk um you know brooding there's there's more walking you know it's like he's ticking all these all these different uh things he should put in this film to make him seem to make him seem mature on all the while thinking to himself well this is you know this is kind of my joke to the critics but that's probably just I know that's probably being far-fetched, yeah. It's funny to think about, anyway. I I agree. I, I mean,
0: I would love for him to come out, like, officially, like, tomorrow. Like, <laughs> remember, Blessing Bell?
1: Total gag. <laughs> I'm a I'm the type of person, I think a lot of people do this, you know, to read intention too much into things, you know. But it, it would be funny, like you said, if that were to happen, you know. It's like, gotcha, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think
0: Monday is more of a, like, this is probably part of uh, part, uh him just joking around and uh, uh, mm-hmm. it's not a serious like commentary on alcoholism and gun control or something like that but uh, hey who knows um but, but he feels a little bit too real and too actual actually you know poignant and even emotional too, mm-hmm. to to be a full on gag but right mm-hmm. hey, hey, I would still respect him for it if if he said it and mm-hmm. and, and yeah there is some I mean I'm not, I don't have many more notes but there is you know some Serenity and some realization that he handles well, too. You know, it's um, at one point, you know, closer to the ending of the movie, he reaches his um, end point because um, well, we can say this. He falls into a hole, you know, again, not looking where it's going. So It's like it's it's borderlining on slapstick in a wonderful way. But uh, yeah, there is, a, you know, awakening, literally, you know, and he, uh, he goes back and uh, I won't spoil
1: Literally, what happens and uh, all what all the points on his journey are. But it- if I could just mention one more time about you know, maybe this is all an elaborate joke. Actually, though, that la- that point where he he wakes up the next morning, you know, mm-hmm. and we see the sun, you know, silhouetted on the back of uh, Terajima's character's head. That was a point where I thought this is a really beautiful image. But you know what? I wonder if he put this in as like a, an elaborate like art. <laughs> Art film gag, you know, like almost <laughs> like a parody of an art film. You know, it's like it is a beautiful image, but does it does it serve for its beauty or does it serve to have like some sort of humorous effect? You know, yeah. So you know, again, that's probably just me way over reading into you know. The it's content. fun. It's fun though. It's
0: it's fun yeah. to look at
1: it that way. It welcomes that
0: without it kind of uh, disrupting or destroying your you know personal grade of the movie or anything. It's like uh, it's a uh, it's fun. It, yeah, uh, rather than just looking at it in a like interpreting all as gloomy. It's fun though to kind of try and extract hmm <laughs> winking. He's winking at me, you know. Right. Um and, and yeah, I mean one of my final notes is that all it seems like at some point, especially before he falls into the hole, during uh, close close to the end, that you know, he has been sort of uh he's been helping out. He's been sort of angelic to some people. Some people have been crappy in return. So he, um, there, there, there is that too. That uh, you know, every, everyone you encounter, there is a chance that there will be some crappy people along the way, and uh, that, that could um, be seen as affecting him during certain points, uh, as he sees almost death after death. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think I um, don't need to or don't want to say too much other than this is. Uh, it It is intriguing, and I like the switch in tone and, I don't know, frequency, speed. <laughs> you know, it's a walking movie, not a running movie, not a bike movie, not a car movie. Mm. And uh, it it's, it's a very welcome development, and I want to check it out quite soon again. It's interested me to that degree, and maybe I will find it hugely profound, or maybe I will, uh, will find it, you know, as I did now, intriguing, kind of funny. Yeah. I suppose that's it. And uh, you know, Sabu, as I said, saves the best, you know, gag or laugh for last. I think it's hilarious the very last scene that takes place out outside the house. If we if we'll keep it vague, that's very long. It's quite a long take, actually. I think um, characters enter a house. There's character, uh, there's talking and dialogue that we don't see. We see them interact within the house. And I think it's a quite a long take uh, that Sabu ends the movie, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah it is at least a couple minutes long yeah and uh, obviously you know on a technical if you look at it from a technical angle because his characters are not on screen if they fucked up you know their dialogue within uh, within uh, the, the, the little house obviously they can redo it easily afterwards so maybe not more maybe not a huge challenge but uh, that, that, that was by the way the only thing I just remembered I have watched this movie many many years ago when I got my DVD-R's of some of Sabu's movies Mm -hmm. and I only remembered only one thing stood out as familiar to me and it was the point where we hear the first kind of grunt of Terajima's character that in the subtitles is translated as him saying yeah like yeah (laughs) yeah, dot 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 and for some reason I kind of remember him just saying yeah Uh, looking in the ground and
1: yeah
0: (laughs) I don't, know, I don't know why that stuck with me, why I had that sort of deja vu moment. But uh, I, I think he's wonderful in the movie. I mean, any actor managing to affect to any degree uh, using no dialogue, essentially, is uh, doing a good job. And his face is expressive, it really is. So it's even if he didn't get a lead role for a number of years after this point. You know, he took this chance and ran with it uh, quite well. And I hope he got some good notices at the time because he he, he deserved it, definitely. Uh, so that's really the end of my notes, buddy. I recommend it. Um, so uh, curious about Sabu, this should be included, I think, uh, to see a different side and a different uh, frequency and and speed. And, um, and uh, I don't know where he can go from this point. You know, I don't know the filmography after this. I mean, what are they going to do next? Go on an airplane? zombie films maybe <laughs> right. yeah well maybe he wonder if he does uh, walking zombies or running zombies
1: mm. well you know the funny thing is that uh one of the films that i, I mentioned that comes later on in his career Connie kosen is set on a ship so
0: <laughs> I was about to say is in an airplane next time or something <laughs> but, uh, skateboard a spaceship <laughs> you know yeah. sci-fi movie but
1: who knows a Witch's Room, yes.
0: <laughs> so it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes from here, because as I said, I don't know, really. I, I know Miss Zombie got a good review uh, at com, but that doesn't mean I know the trajectory of Sabu's career from this point. So I, I'm with you all, I, said, I, I assume, in terms of discovering yeah, the filmography.
1: Yeah, that's the interesting thing about doing a series like this, where we're sort of familiar with some of the, the director's work, and a lot of it we're not, is that, you know, we're kind of getting this all in real time. I know, like, there are a lot of people who follow film really closely who, if they listen to this, they'll be like, yeah, 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 I've seen all those films before, I already know what he's all about, and stuff like that, but, you know, but to actually kind of, like, follow along in this chronicle, chronological manner like we are now, it's it's kind of interesting because you do pick up on a lot of things that you might not pick up on if you had watched these films in actual real time, like when they actually came out, that kind of thing, you know, because that's a little hard because there's a lot more time in between viewings, so you might not catch connections, but we're watching things in a much more compact space, you know, within days and weeks of... of um, previous viewing. So, you know, it it could lend a lot to, uh, you know, uh, interesting discussion. And uh, before I do the availability, is there anything else you want to share? No, I would also recommend this film uh, probably with a little reservation. I think that, you know, even though, you know, part of my section of discussion was, you know, basically going on talking about this possibly being some big elaborate hoax you know and and part of that is me sort of joking too it's just you know kind of looking at it from a completely different angle you know but um the thing is that the i mean even if this were to be some elaborate like you know hey let's let's do a parody on art films or something you know in the end this is still kind of an art film really sure you know i mean i would recommend it i don't know if people who do not like this kind of film will really get much out of it unfortunately um i think if you're a, somehow a sabu fan you know uh, i don't know if there are any, many of us who are located outside of japan you know you might want to check it out just for the mere fact that it's kind of you know like as we've already learned about sabu he, he likes su- subverting expectations you know he's even subverting himself or his own style uh in this film to a certain degree but all the while sort of keeping that same style you know this is very much like i said kind of like a slow motion Sabu film Mm -hmm. rather than you know the speed that we're used or um we're used to with him so i I would check out if you think you can uh if you can hack it so to speak it sounds kind of bad because it sounds like (laughs) (laughs) it just sounds you know it sounds like you have to be strong or something when it's it's a, it's a freaking film, you know. Just watch it, right? <laughs> and shorts, too. I mean, they,
0: he it do, doesn't extend it for the sake of golf. just um, you know, eighty-seven minutes of uh, a lot a lot of walking and some dialogue, and uh, that makes sense, you know.
1: And sorry for the pun, but it it does move along in that eighty-seven <laughs> minutes. Ha,
0: ha. Uh. Well, well, you you know, those are the kind of puns that gets on uh, um, DVD covers so and what have you, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: You know, a blast. You know, uh, uh, you know, on a movie about, uh, you know, a bomber or something. <laughs> uh, but there you go. As for availability, we mentioned it before because it's uh, kind of the same. Uh, this is uh, available on this disc officially. Uh, Rapid Eye Movies in Germany, their double feature uh, with Blessing Bell and Monday on uh, two, two DVDs, I presume. It's available on DVD in Germany. It looks to be in print. Uh, no English subtitles if you are in need of that, though. Uh, so but there is an official DVD, and I'd like to pick it up at some point. Uh, I couldn't find any listing of a um, Japanese DVD, but there is a chance that there was one in the early 2000s. There is one. Right. And it seems like they were released kind of then. Uh, not that this was, we know that there were different companies handling the Sabu movies, but it seems like early 2000s was um, sort of a release point for some of these, anyway. Uh, but again chances are that that did Not have English subtitles it happens Every now and again for movies um, on Japanese DVD that they do get English Subtitles but uh,
1: yeah It would have
0: to be like prepared for an international Market ahead of time though. right right Exactly and this you know International festival play yeah But that's as international as it Probably is destined to be, you know, uh, at least beforehand. Uh, but I'm sure it got festival play in there. But uh, what I watched, therefore, is again, there are bootlegs of it, and good bootlegs because they feature, you know, good uh, either existing uh, subtitles that they transcribed from a festival print or um, a viewing uh, or fan fansubbed from scratch. But uh, regardless, that's what I watched. Uh, it's possibly uh, the Japanese video, the anamorphic video. And uh, English subtitles put onto that uh, So um, that's what I have to watch But as I said, for both Monday and Blessing Bell There is one official release that's in print And uh, that's uh, what I want to get to support as best I can So. Um,
1: By the way, I just checked And there is a DVD of Blessing Bell It is out of print, but if you happen to be living in Japan You can get it for only 8 bucks used Wow Cheaper than hell Someone doesn't know
0: the market value of his or her DVDs. <laughs> There's no Japanese DVD is eight bucks new, you know, unless it's like bargain bin. I suppose. I, I would guess eighty bucks. When you said eight, I was expecting eighty. I, I think it's just someone trying to unload their collection, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Uh, So that's that. I mean, the aim is to have this series wrapped in four episodes, but you never know about these things. Uh, But why I'm saying that is that uh, I don't have an announcement for part three yet because I'm, I'm that kind of lame creator producer that I need to sit down at the drawing board once this episode is done and determine where to go next in terms of main discussions. But uh, we are going to try and touch upon each and every movie And I think we're approaching His kind of collaborations With that uh, Pop band That you weren't A big fan of uh, The v, v V4 V6 Yeah I, I could have had a V8
1: Yeah <laughs> I'm V8 just kidding. For <laughs> you see, I forget I forget which uh, Combination of letters And numbers But yeah <laughs> so we're coming up on uh, those movies I'm sure sometime
0: in episode 3 but uh, in the meantime well, let's uh, wrap this episode 2 uh, let's wrap this up and uh, this has been Japan on Fire on the Podcast on Fire network we are located on podcastonfire.com find this show, all the other shows and the bonus episodes on there email fire at googlemail.com like us on Facebook facebook.com forward slash PUF network check out the discussion group link on the page or type in Podcast fire fire network in the facebook search bar our twitter account twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire i write about hong kong movies and taiwanese movies and ninja movies at so good reviews.com and video.com and some adult stuff on there as well at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews is my twitter account japan of fire is on itunes rate and subscribe and please if you have the time leave a small review one or two sentences will do uh, we would love to hear from you and finally stream us on stitcher the entire network uh, available online but smoothest way to stream us is through the application available to the iphone ipad or android and once you're in stitcher type in japan of fire to find us add us to your favorite lists and you'll find all the latest uh, latest shows uh, that way so
1: that's my plugs and your plugs for the cinema again john well vcinema is located at vcinemashow.com. That's SHOW. Uh we're located on Facebook. Just search for V Cinema. I'm sure you're gonna find us. And then uh on Twitter we are at vcinemashow show. Again, that's S-H-O-W. And uh again if you're interested in writing for the blog. Or if uh, somehow you're interested in picking up the torch and starting a podcast again, (laughs) (laughs) then um, let me know. Just get in contact with me. The email information is located on the blog. All right, Tom. Uh,
0: Yeah, so that's us. I've been Kenobi and with me was was Coffin' John, and we'll be back for episode three. So say bye for now. Bye for now, buddy. See you. Sayonara.